I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. We're going to go ahead and go with the flow. I believe that God has something He wants to say, not only to those of you that are here, but those of you that are online. And I believe that this gospel of the, of the kingdom, this particular message is, needs to be spoken, needs to be preached, needs to go into all the world. Because what I've seen um, as a spiritual mother is many of our sons and daughters, they don't know who God is. We've heard a lot of teaching on the gospel of feel good, prosperity, or whatever the case may be. But I think what we need to do is we need to get right deep down into the heart of the matter, into what the Bible has to say about who God is, so that we can live a more victorious Christian life. You know, when you know who God is and you understand his character, it gives you confidence as a believer. You don't, you're not tossed to and fro and carried about by every circumstance in your life. You have confidence that he's your God, he's your father, and what he has begun in your life, he's going to bring it to completion and bring it to pass. You're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by external circumstances. You're only moved and by what the word of God has to say. Are you listening? So I believe that we need to get back to some of these basics. Now, to us as spiritual mothers and fathers, they're basics, but you know what? The church is really lacking in the basics. That's why I produced uh, about 23 videos called Necessary Truths in Challenging Times, and they're all the basics in the Word of God. And and, And we need these basics. And my vision is really to leave a legacy. So I feel like just teaching those things and you're leaving a legacy because we're starting to we're starting to let some of these basic things slip and it's actually affecting the body of Christ. I think we need to get back. So anyway, we're going to talk continue to talk about a journey into the heart of God. Now, a prayer that we talked about last week was the uh, praying the prayer out of Ephesians chapter 1, 13, 3, there 14 through 19. It's a really good prayer that you could pray for yourself. And this is a prayer where the Apostle Paul said, listen, I'm going to pray for you that you have a revelation of the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length of the love of God. Because his love, his heart is so wide, so deep, so long, so high, again, that, you know, it's a daily, it's a daily, uh, 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 you get to know him day after day after day after day after day. And when we're old and we're much older in life, we're still getting to know who he is. Because the revelation of his heart is so vast and so wide and so deep. So what I would encourage you to do is I would encourage you to pray this prayer for yourself. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. It's a prayer that you can pray every day when you go into your devotional time. So we're going to continue on a journey into the heart of God and who God is. And we said that God is love. Now we're going to go in another direction And I'm going to talk to you about not only who God is, but I want to talk to you today about what God has to say to you specifically and what his thoughts are to you specifically. All right? With that being said, psychology teaches us that our self-concept and how we think about ourself, how we feel about ourself, is largely developed by the most important person in our life and how that person views us. So the most important person in your life, how they view you, how they treat you, how they accept or how you accept what they have to say about you, think about you, treat you, helps form how you view yourself. Is everybody thinking with me? So the devil and people can really mess a lot of us up. And when 
you think about it, it could mess us up with unforgiveness, resentment, or a warped sense of self, which ultimately will affect your destiny and your purpose. Are you listening? If you had an alcoholic parent, or you were abused sexually and physically, or you were in or are still in an abusive marriage, your sense of self is being affected or has been affected. Unless you allow the word of God to heal you, to restore you, to renew your mind. And I believe that this is what's going to happen in this service today and to those who are listening online. Because God has a plan for your life. And he has a purpose and he has a destiny for your life. And see, what I've learned in my life is this. It's not that the devil's after me. He's after the purpose, the plan, and the destiny on my life. And what I've learned in my own life by experience is that the more warfare that you're experiencing and the more opposition you're experiencing, the greater the call. Well, I, got, I must have some major call in my life. A major. <laughs> and you know, when we're being attacked by people, what I've learned is it's not always the person. It's the spirit behind the person. Because you see, my friends, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, and these demons, these powers of darkness, they are after your purpose. They are after your destiny. And we talked about it last week. Every single one of you has a purpose. And God has a plan for every single person's life. It may not be to preach to people, but it may be to preach to five people and get those five people to heaven. Because I'm going to tell you straight up, if Jesus, he would have died for that one person. And the Bible says that you know, even if one person gives their life to God, all of heaven rejoices. God is very interested in humanity that they be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So don't minimize your purpose and your destiny because you don't have a five-fold call on your life. We are the body of Christ and members in particular, and each and every one of you are important, especially in the day and in the hour that we live in today. I'm, I'm not going to stop till I'm released. Don't minimize your purpose and your destiny. You know, I have my little thing going on with my ministry, and I'm like, all right, Lord, well, we had 500 views, or some we have more than that. And I'm just like, you know what? And then the Lord says to me, just do your thing. It's like Rick Joyner said. He said, it's not about the size and the numbers. It's about just do your thing for God. Because every single person in the body of Christ is important. So don't minimize the call of God in your life and what you're called to do. You may be somebody that's called to finance the gospel. God knows we need money. Everyone say money, money, money. We need the money. So every one of us are important. And each and every one of you, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But the devil doesn't like it. And he's after your destiny and he's after your purpose. So. Maybe you had a psycho mother. Maybe she was verbally abusive to you. Or you had a parent that was verbally abusive to you. Or a mother with an eating disorder and it got on you. A parent, maybe you have a parent or you're in a marriage where there's an obsessive compulsive personality disorder. I knew somebody like that. I didn't know what it was, but you couldn't, and I was a young girl, but you couldn't go in her house because she was so obsessed with her house and so worried about germs, she couldn't even enjoy her life. Now, that puts fear in a child. Are you listening to me? This is a good message. Thank you very much. Praise God forevermore. Or maybe your parent was depressed or anxious. Or maybe you had a controlling father who expected you to be perfect. And when you think about God, you think that God's feeling the same way about you. Well, God is not a man. God is a perfect father, and he doesn't expect us to be perfect. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As a matter of fact, the, the more I understand my imperfections, the more I glory in
infirmities. Because when I'm weak, that's when he's strong. And I know who I am and I know who my God is. So those imperfections are not a bad thing. They're a good thing. We're not going to hang around in sin. I'm not talking about sin. But I'm talking about we're just human beings. But we have an extraordinary, powerful, perfect God that works through us. And that's what it's all about. It's not about us. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus. It's about him. And ultimately, listen, we will all stand before God and we will all give an account for our lives. I think every single day we should wake up and we should say, Lord, what would you have me to do today? Or maybe you had a sister that society calls a girl with a perfect body. And you have a few more curves and she or someone you love made fun of you. Are you all with me today? In my life, I grew up in an Italian home, and I had five brothers. And you know what? I don't fault them on this. And I, I believe me when I tell you, that's long ago. I was the only girl. And you know what their way of loving me and giving me attention was? They would make fun of me and tease me, you know, and, and just thought it was funny and cute. But you know what? It affected my self-esteem. Don't look at me and say that you don't understand what I'm talking about. It affected my self-esteem. And I was the only girl. I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, you don't know when you're a child, you think certain things are normal. And then when you get out of your house, your dysfunctional house, you realize that that wasn't normal. I'm telling you, in our house, we don't do, we never did that with my kids. They weren't allowed. In my life, I had what I would call he was a good father, but he was an absent father. He worked all the time. He, he worked as an engineer. He was very smart, and he was a thinker. Now, looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I realize he was an introvert, and he was a thinker. So in the daytime, he created and he developed tractors for International Harvester, and at night, he went to law school, and he became an attorney. But he wasn't always there for me. And then when he was home, I would sit with him to read or whatever, and he would just fall asleep. So I grew up with this concept that I'm not valuable, that I'm not worth listening to. Are you listening? And, and it affected me. Thank God for the word of God. So we said the devil is after your purpose and your destiny. That is the target. Here's another thing. Get this one, Diane. When I was growing up, my brothers always told me to shut up. Now, I was already quiet. <laughs> I was already quiet. It may seem like I'm not a quiet person, but if you knew me, I'm very quiet. It's just when I minister, I get changed into another person. Isn't that what the anointing's supposed to do? And so growing up, I was always told to shut up, shut up, shut up. And it was these words that just kept hitting me and hitting me and hitting me and hitting me. You know, and I would hear it. And then when I got born again... And God called me to preach the gospel. When I'd stand up in my beginning years of ministry, you know what I would hear in my mind? Shut up, shut up, shut up. They're not listening. They're not listening. They're not listening. They're shut up, shut up. Well, what is that? The devil's after the purpose, after the plan, after the destiny. I don't understand at all. I don't understand how the devil knew that I had a call on God on my life. I don't understand how with Kenneth E. Hagin, he tried to destroy him as a baby. Like, I don't understand how the enemy works in the kingdom of darkness, but there is something that he sees about us and about you, and he's trying to prevent it. Good preaching. Thank you very much. Holy Ghost is all over this message. John 10.10 10 says, the thief does not come except to what? Kill steal and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that my people would have life and life more abundant. So Margie, what do you do like with, with the people that were mean to you and the people that were abused you or the people that were said all kinds of mean things to you and all the things that you've been through in your life? And the Holy Ghost wants me to emphasize this for just a moment. We need to forgive them. Because you talk about aborting your plan, your purpose, and your destiny. If you don't forgive, you are stuck. And I'm just going to be transparent with you. 
I had a dream this morning. <laughs> I got to figure this one out because I get prophetic dreams sometimes. I had a dream this morning that I was on a road. Do you know that when you're when you dream about driving a car and you're on a road, that the car is your purpose, the plan, and your destiny. Are you listening? Symbolically, most dreams are symbolic, and this is interesting. And I and I and this is the strangest thing. I was on this road and I'm driving in the car and I had my dog with me, of course. And there was a big elephant in the road trying to hinder me from going forward. Well, what would you do with something like that? You got to pray about it. What, where is it, God, that I'm missing it? What is the elephant in the room? What is it that you're trying to say to me? Well, how do you find out what God's trying to say? You consult people who know more about dreams than you do which I have someone like that, or you pray about it, and you search your heart. And you say, Lord, Lord, create, I know it's not a popular prayer, but create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. What is the elephant on the road that would try to keep me from my purpose, my plan, and my destiny? So we need to forgive. Remember something, my friends. Your attitude becomes your altitude. Your mess and your test can become your testimony. Hard times will either make you bitter or better. Remember, the enemy is after your destiny. So what comes out of these bad and difficult times? What comes out of the childhood that you had? What comes out of how your mother treated you and how she abused you? What comes out of all these things that you went through in your life? I've got the answer. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, He comforts us in all our tribulation. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the same comfort wherewith we've been comforted. What does that mean? It means this. You went through something. Now you can help somebody else who's going through the same thing. And basically, you have the compassion and empathy and you understand their pain. So this is not a bad thing. This could be a good thing. Think about Joseph. You know... <laughs> You know the story of Joseph. We're not going to get into it because I'm not even at the heart of my message yet. But do you think about Joseph? You know, he was betrayed by his brothers, sold in, you know, sold in, you know, thrown in a pit, went into prison. He was falsely accused. And there was just so much attack against his destiny. But do you know, my friends, he eventually was in the place of God. Are you listening? All that hard stuff, all the things that he went through did not abort the plan of God for his life. As a matter of fact, it pushed him into the plan of God. It raised him up to be in the plan of God. And the reason was because it saved many people's lives. Look at everything that Joseph did. And he said to, to his, his brothers when they came to them and him in fear, that he said, listen, you know, what you meant for me was evil. But God used it and turned it around for the good. And he said, now listen. He says, am I not in the place of God? So what you meant for evil, God used for the benefit of what? Of Joseph and Israel's purpose and destiny for the people. So you could go through all these things, but God can turn it around. And he can make a way for you where there is no way. So these words of, or actions or whatever is going on in your soul, whatever's happening in your heart right now because things are coming up. Isn't that cool about the Holy Ghost? He will bring things to your remembrance. And if you have areas in your soul that need to be healed, the Holy Ghost will remind you. I'm not talking about out here. That's warfare. I'm talking about if something comes up on the inside of you, that's the Holy Ghost. And why is that happening? Because today he is going to heal your brokenhearted. You are going to renew your mind. You're going to lay aside every weight and every sin and anything that's going to keep you from running the race that's set before you. So whatever's going on in your soul no longer has to define you. If you make a decision today, you are going to receive what God has to say about you. I don't know about you, but I'm going all the way with God. And along the path of going all the way with God, you are going to lose some friendships. You are going to lose some relationships because not everybody can go where you're going. But you have to make a decision today. 
are you going to choose to follow Jesus? No turning back, no turning back. Or are you going to follow the way of the world and what society says that you should be or what somebody else says that you should do? Let me tell you, God is going to turn everything around for you for your good. And no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. He's going to pull you up out of the miry clay. He is going to set your feet upon a rock. And he is going to put a new song in your mouth. And many are going to see it. And they're going to see the hand of God. And they're going to fear the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's an old saying. i got to tell you straight up. Touch not mine anointed. Do my prophets no harm. You start touching God's anointed, I feel sorry for you. Because eventually, God is going to touch you. He's not the author of pain. He's not the author of, 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 like, you know, bad things. But when you start touching God's anointed, you're opening up the door for the devil to work. So what do you do? You pray for people. you got to pray for people. The greatest act of forgiveness is when you bow your knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and you say to him, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go back to this. Some of them are demonized. I remember Kenneth E. Hagin, he was my spiritual father, and I carry his DNA. I actually used to clean his house. I'd sit on his chair, and I'd be like, I receive it, I receive it, I receive everything, everything. And I remember one time he was casting the devil out of somebody. You know the devils inhabit people, and devils can oppress people, and devils can speak through people. And I, rem I was just going to say that, but I thought maybe I'll just let that one go. <laughs> I remember one time Brother Hagin was teaching on intercession and prayer. And he said he went to cast the devil out of somebody. And when he went to cast the devil out, isn't this interesting? Think about it. He's casting the devil out. And as the, has, has anybody here ever cast out devils? Do you know that you're all called to the ministry of the believer? Lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Cast out devils, speak with new tongues. You'll take up serpents, you'll eat any deadly thing. Do you know that every single one of you can operate in signs, wonders, and miracles? There's a plan, there's a purpose, there's a destiny. Put that in your pocket and keep it. But he was casting the devil out of somebody, and when the devil was coming out, because devils speak, they speak through people, or they speak in, in, in the air like warfare, thoughts, thoughts. And, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you give the body of Christ discernment. Give us discernment. And he said as the devil was coming out of the person, unrelated to anything that was going on in the service, he said the thing the devil said was, came out and said, I hate intercessors. I hate intercessors. I hate intercessors. You say to yourself, why would the devil, when he's coming out of somebody, start screaming, I hate intercessors? Devil hates intercessors. And I have a word for your mother, Amanda. I've had it in my heart for seven months. Your mother is called to be a powerful intercessor in the body of Christ. And Satan has desired to have her that he may sift her as wheat and get her off the path and the destiny and the purpose. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon her. He has anointed your mother to pray. And she's going to be moving in realms of prayer and in the spirit that she's heretofore not moved in. And you mark my words, Psalms 92.10. He is anointing her with fresh oil and she's already a discerner. That discerner is going to increase yet more and more and more in your mother's life and ministry. And it is a ministry. We need intercessors. But the devil hates intercessors, hates intercessors. So when he's, you know, that's, I don't know why I got into that. I have no idea. What? <laughs> Anybody know why I got into that? Because an, the inter, an intercessor, the ministry of prayer is a ministry. So when you start moving in realms of prayer, the enemy's going to try to stop you. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know why? You know, the greatest uh, thing the devil can do with a praying person is to get you in offense. Because if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So you got to guard your heart. Okay. So 
That being said, if God is the most important person in our lives, right? Are you listening online? Share this video with your friends. If God is the most important person in our lives, we must know his love, listen to me, how he views us, and we need to accept his words so that we can truly be transformed and live a fulfilling, happy life while we are here on this earth. What did you just say? I said the most important person is God in our life. So it's very important for us to know how he views us, what he thinks about us. And when we know that, it casts out fear, casts out insecurities. Those abusive words that your mother spoke over you have no power or authority in your life anymore because you know what God has to say about you. It's medicine to your soul. And you will be, uh, uh, you will be set free from that addiction because you know what God has to say about you. All right, so what does he have to say about you? Number one, you ready? I'm going to go all the way to the end. Are we good with that? Isn't that amazing? I've only been ministering 22 minutes, so a lot was done. I'll tell you why a lot was done, because God is accelerating things. We are in a time and we are in a season where things are being accelerated. You think iPhone, you get a new one, and then you got a new one coming out two months later? Think about that in the realm of the spirit. That's what's happening. The time is short. The end is drawing nigh. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see all the signs of the times. So what does God have to say about you? Number one, I know you. And you don't have to be afraid that he knows you. He knows everything. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you rise up. He is very familiar with all your ways. He knows what you're going to think before you think it. He knows what's going to happen 10 years from now. And nothing with God has taken him by surprise. As a matter of fact, I say this prophetically, he has already gone before you and he has already prepared the way. He's already made provision. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. He's already gone before you and prepared the way. Just you've got to stay in faith. Don't get into fear. Stay in faith, church. Stay in faith, United States of America. We've got to stay in faith. You know, the enemy's trying to get us into fear. Fear activates his, his quote, works. Faith will keep God active in your life. So he says, I know you, Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you. In Jeremiah's case, he was a prophet. Oh, Psalms 139, I already quoted it. Uh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not one word. <laughs> That's scary. There is not one word on my tongue. But behold, Lord, you know it all together. He knows you. So don't be afraid of what he's going to say to you. Remember, his plans for you are plans to prosper you and not harm you. So if you know that God knows you, you can have confidence in prayer. Confidence in this world. Number two, I love you. Oh, we talked about that last week. Well, I love uh, blueberry smoothies. There's all different kinds of love. But when God says, I love you, he's saying, get a grip, son, daughter. I like major love you. Like so much, I sent my son to die on a cross for you and die a brutal death so that by the stripes he bore, you would be healed. I love you. I agape you. Jeremiah 31.1 is one of my favorite scriptures. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. God loves you. Say, God loves me. Number three, I value you. I kept hearing this in my spirit on the way down here. And I think God's trying to speak to me. 
Because listen, my friends, you go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. We're always growing. I value you. Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. I value you. That word value, most definitions talk about monetary terms like money, but it really means to consider or rate highly. God considers you and he rates you highly. He values you. Synonyms are to appreciate. I appreciate you. Your kids may not appreciate you. You know, I, how many moms do we have in here, right? I mean, I had three kids in one year, 92, right? Figure that out. And, you know, I hate doing laundry. I don't mind washing it, but I hate putting it away, and folding it, and the whole thing. But I also don't like wrinkles. So those wrinkles, those clothes are not staying in that dry for a long time, getting wrinkled, because I have to start all over. And my kids were not responsible when it came to, like, the towels and they'd wear something once, and they'd throw it in the laundry. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? And, like, I was getting so frustrated, and they just wouldn't listen. So one day, I put a sign up by the washer. Basically, the, the, the scripture was amplified. Basically, what it said was, you know, whatever you do, do as unto me. And I didn't feel appreciated by my kids. But when I looked at the scripture, and God was saying, do what you're doing as unto me, I realized that God was saying to me, I appreciate you. I appreciate you raising your kids in the ways that they should go. I appreciate that you get up at night and you pray over them. I appreciated that when you were exhausted and tired and you didn't feel like praying over them, you made room for me and you taught them about my love and you taught them about who I was and you went and laid hands on them all individually. I appreciate you. And now that they're old, they haven't departed from it. So God appreciates you. He cherishes you. Prize, treasure, love. Okay, number four, I accept you. I believe Pastor spoke on that recently. I accept you. Ephesians 1, 6, I accept you. I accept you. It says he has made us accepted in the beloved. God says I accept you. I remember one morning I was getting ready, and I was just, you know how you do. You just run around, run around, run around, and da 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 You hardly ever stop, you think. One day I was putting my makeup on. I was in a hurry, and I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me on the inside of me. And you know what he said to me? Audibly, I accept you. You know, when God speaks, it's always in line with the word. You know, the devil will be like, I hate you. You're a piece of crap. I hate you. You'll never be what you're supposed to be in this. I hate you. You know, but God said to me, I accept you. And I stopped, and I felt the healing go through my brain and into my soul. I'll never forget it. That word made, he has made us accepted in the beloved, is C-H-A-R-I-T-O-O. -O. It means to make acceptable. The word accepted in the dictionary.com says, usually regarded as normal or received. The Greek word beloved is the words A-G-A-P-I-O, which is in, in love, agape. So that means you've been made accepted in the loving arms of your God creator. He loves you unconditionally. You are normal, and you are safe with him. <laughs> Everyone say, I'm normal. You know what the Lord said to me one time? He said, Margie, you get up before the people, he says, and the more you're just you, your personality, the more I'll be able to flow through you. Don't try to be anybody that you're not. You, know, you go on Facebook, Instagram, and you, know, you look at other people, and you think that's the standard. Well, my friends, they have filters, and they took about 20 pictures just to get that one. Don't compare yourself with other people. You do that, that's, the Bible says it's not wise. Next, I treasure you. 
Exodus 19.5 says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a special treasure to me above all the people, for the earth is the Lord's. So I remember one time I, my kids were little, and my Jacqueline, does anybody know who Jacqueline is? She's the real tall one. She's the stylist. She's always styling. Wore her patent, patent shoes to, to you know, kindergarten, and she just always had it going on. And she's got this long neck, you know. And <laughs> one time I, I took her for a ballet recital kind of a thing, and she had on her pink tutu, tutu is that what you call it? It was a pink tutu, and it went out here, and she had these little legs, and she was just so cute and so brave. She was so brave to do that because I knew that it was taking a lot for her to do that, that test. That she, she was just so brave. And I remember, like, pulling out of the dance. You never forget when God speaks to you. I remember pulling out of the dance studio, going up to the light, sitting there, and the light was red. And I turned over, and I looked at her, and I remember, like, I remember, like, a love just rose up within me. It was a love beyond a love. You know how you sometimes feel the love and sometimes you just love? It was rising up. And when I looked at her, I just remember thinking, she's like my treasure. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me right there at that light, Washington Valley Road or Mount Horeb Road. And you know what he said to me? He said, and you are my treasured possession. God treasures you. Next, I honor you. Makaya tomashata sokoyemeneshinomasata. Many are afflicted and diseased in body because they have not accepted this truth. And when you preach this word, you're going to see bodies being made whole because that which is in their soul has affected their bodies. For they see me as a God of affliction, and I am a God of restoration. I am a God of healing. I am a God of deliverance. So my daughter, preach this word. Be instant in season and out of season. Tell them who I am and what my heart is toward them. For did I not send my only begotten son, and what did he do? My daughter, he went about doing good and expressing my heart. And he brought healing and safety and deliverance unto all those that were oppressed of the devil. So preach the word. And when you preach this word, even as you've desired, the gifts of the spirit will begin to fall and manifest because they will receive my word and they'll receive their healing. For I've come that my people may have life and life more abundantly, but they're not enjoying the everyday life of abundance because they don't know who I am. I want you to tell the world who I am. Make my heart known unto those who don't know me, and when you do, they will see the light of the gospel, and they'll see my goodness, and it'll draw them and bring them into repentance. So even this day, there are many who are hearing this word, and you are rightly dividing the word of truth, and you are receiving healing in your body. Bodies are being made whole as you receive what I have to say, says the Lord. So continue to receive. Some, uh, the healing has begun, and as you go, the healing's going to continue to manifest. Because I am not a man that I should lie, and what I've spoken I will make good. And you will see more and more and more signs and wonders and miracles of healing in the earth today. Because where sin abounds, grace does so much more abound. And I love my people, and I love humankind, and therefore my grace is going to abound yet more and more and more in this time and in this season of church history. Well, you are right at the edge, says the Lord, of a great manifestation and move of my spirit. Many have said yes, and some have said no, resist. I'm going to resist because it's my desire to please man. But as you please me, 
and yield to the fullness of who I am. I am going to bless you and my people exceedingly, abundantly, above all that they could ask, hope, dream, or desire. You will move out of works, and you will move into rest. And when you rest, you will see that grace will just manifest, and you will be able to run and not grow weary. You'll be able to walk into things I've called you to walk in and not faint, says the Lord. So preach this word. And you will see me manifest. For I said in my word that I would confirm my word with signs following. But you don't always have to preach on healing to see signs following. You preach about who I am and what my heart is. And the signs will automatically follow. I take authority over that in Jesus' name. I take authority over infertility in the name of Jesus. There's someone listening under the sound of my voice. You've been struggling with infertility. And I hear the Lord saying, by the stripes I bore in my body, you are healed. Healing is manifesting even as we speak. The healing virtue of God is going into your body and bringing healing 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 for haven't i said in my word that that you are blessed when your quiver is full of children and so the barren womb is going to be fruitful and satisfied says the lord stay with me stay with me Ah, saturate them, Lord. It's a vinda maya toin and besikita lamada bosakata. Oh, saturate them, Lord. As I said in my word, anything not planted of the Lord must be uprooted. I curse growths, warts, tumors, cysts. I command them to dissolve in the name of Jesus. Just receive that healing in Jesus' name. And now me, you will not steal, kill, or destroy. There's someone that has a foot. It's a foot disease. Uh, something. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I see the word. I don't even know. I don't know how to pronounce it. But there's something going on in your right foot, and the Lord Jesus Christ himself makes you whole. Though we're absent in the flesh, we're present in the spirit, and the Holy Ghost is healing you of that foot disease in the name of Jesus. Alamaya, take it all, take it all, take it all, take it all, take it out. Be established, you, my Lord, disabe. I see, I see a kevish in Amaya. There's someone who's listening under the sound of my voice, and you have, it's like sandpaper in your eye. I guess it might be dry eye, I don't know, but it feels like sandpaper in your eye. And God, the Holy Ghost, by the power of the Lord, uh, Luke chapter 4, is healing you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to heal by the Spirit of the living God. So the Holy Ghost is healing you. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. This is the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and I believe gifts of uh, power, gifts of manifestation. It's the Holy Spirit that's giving us the unction, and we're just yielding. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Thank you, Lord. 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 What's that called? What's that called? What's that called? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord. Get ready, church. Did we say he honored you? Did I say that yet? God honors you. Did I say that one? All right, he honors you. Yeah. He said, you call upon me and I'll answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you. I will honor you. God honors you. Isaiah says, since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored. You're precious in his sight. He honors you. And I have loved you. 
Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not. I am with you. I honor you. The Hebrew word is kabod. It basically just means heavier. It's a metaphor for respect, consideration, and value. God honors you. And he thinks you're marvelous. <laughs> God thinks you're marvelous. Where'd you get that? Give me a scripture. Chapter and verse. All right. Psalms 139, verse 13 through 16. You have formed my inward parts. That's why your inward parts are healed in Jesus' name. You will conceive and you will bring forth a, a, a child. I'm not going to say which, I don't know, boy or girl. I think a son. And God is going to, you're going to bring that child forth. That conception is going to take place. You have formed my inward parts. You have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and my soul knows that very well. Next, I think about you all the time. You guys okay with the time frame here? I think about you all the time. Your boyfriend doesn't think about you all the time. That's why you don't put your boyfriend before Jesus. If you're unequally yoked, and there's somebody listening that is, if you're unequally yoked with an unbeliever, let him go. God knows your future better than you know your past. You marry that guy and you're going to have heartache. Thank you, Jesus. I think about you all the time. How precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God? How great is the sum of them? If I would count them, they would be more than the number in the sand. And when I am awake, I am still with you. He thinks about you all the time. Next. I am here for you always. Jesus said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Psalms, Psalms 27 verse 10 says, and this happened to somebody. Their father left you. When my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. You don't have to fear abandonment. You've had a fear of abandonment because your father left you. But you have a father in heaven who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am the perfect father. And I'm here for you always. Trust me. Next, I will never divorce you. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. You see the emphasis here? Yo! He divorced you, but I'm your maker. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer, by the way, and the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken. You're not forsaken by him. You are like a woman forsaken. And grieved in spirit. You've been grieving the divorce. It's time to move on. Let it go. Like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. Next, I forgive you. You know why Judas hung himself and Peter didn't? And they both screwed up. Because Peter forgave himself. Judas couldn't. You're hanging yourself. You don't forgive yourself. You like, you know what I'm seeing? It. I'm seeing it like a noose around your neck. You're just holding on. Let it go. If God forgives you, ought not you be able to forgive yourself? I did such a big mistake. Let it go. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far your sins have been cast away from you. I forgive you. Many are sick and weak because they hold on and they're offended by their own mistakes. Let it go. You know, the mercies of the Lord are new Every single morning, let it go. Ma shekea mahaya sopotere mete. 
Monday anointing I receive this morning. I lastly, I understand your struggles. Mm-hmm. For we have not a high priest, we love you, Jesus. You're our high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But was it all prostrate cancer? That's what I heard. I was trying to figure out what it was. I finally got it. There's somebody in here or is listening, and you have prostrate cancer, and the spirit of the living God is going right into your body, and he's healing you now. You see how the Holy Ghost works? I had it in my spirit, but I couldn't articulate it in my head. I curse that cancer in the name of Jesus and command it to dry up from the roots. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. He went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the enemy. Prostrate cancer is a curse. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13. He was made a curse for you. He bore the prostrate cancer so you don't have to makaya masiki anointing this is a new anointing this is going to be an anointing that's going to flow yet more and more and more and more and more and more be open be receptive don't put me in a box because my people need to know who i am they need to see my power in manifestation they have felt forsaken because they've not seen fruit in their answered prayers but i am going to use you and i'm going to anoint you to bring my heart and my healing virtue not only unto this place but to the nations and he that has begun a good work and this is a good work is going to bring it all to completion they that know their God will be strong and do exploits for him that's why it's important that we know him so we could do exploits for the kingdom that's why everything that is shaken is being shaken. You have been raised up for such a time as this to save many people, just like Joseph. And all the betrayal you went through was all for a purpose. There's purpose in the pain. God's not the author of it, but move out of the pain and into the purpose. I'm going to take you from one place, and I'm bringing you into another place, and it's by my grace. Let me just quickly close. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That word means S-U-M-P-A-T-H-E-O, which means, and this is why he, he wants us to have his heart. It's good to preach from the heart of God. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That word to be touched with is the Greek word, I spelled it, but it means to share an experience with someone or to sympathize or to com- have compassion for someone. Jesus was always moved with compassion, and he healed the sick. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.